Hello, Bitch Talkers. This is episode 199 of the Bitch Talk podcast. I'm Erin. This is crazy because we've done 199 episodes of the show and um, it's a little emotional, Char. I'm I'm a little emotional. So uh, this one is, I think, pretty goddamn special. This is the director from a very talked about movie. Um, Got a lot of PR at Sundance Film Festival. It's called a ghost story. We sat down with David Lowry, who it's, it's been trending on. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> is it? Is it a trending topic? It kind of is. I've uh, seen like it came up on Mashable and some other stuff. Like actually, A twenty four is trending because of this movie. I guess. I mean, A twenty four should be trending. They pick out interesting films that I, Bitch Talk loves. So um, this one is is an interesting film because. Uh, we're not indifferent about it. It's just different. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's, it's just a different film. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. <laughs> because I've had, now I've had follow, follow up chats with some of uh, the people that have seen this film, namely my boyfriend. And he's like, you know what? I actually like the movie. I'm like, yeah, it sits with you. And isn't it? It's a, uh, it's, it, it, it is a process movie. It's, yes. W- initial reaction is like what did i just watch like and yes. probably uh leaning towards a movie that you might not like and then right after a little bit of time you're just like okay i get it right it is it i mean it's complete it's com- it's it is complete opposite ends of different spec of of ways that people look at it sure um but it was a pleasure speaking with david who's the director and he, and he wrote the film um, and you'll find that out during the interview. But um, just to remind everyone, too, we're on all the socials. So please find us. Say hi. You can always send us a message um, through any of them, especially Instagram. That's the one that I feel a lot of people respond to. But um, here's our interview with David Lowry. Again, it's episode 199 of the Bitch Talk podcast. And, oh, don't forget, a ghost story comes out Friday, July 14th. Here you go. Hey, Bitch Talkers. This is Aaron here. We have a very special guest. His name's David Lowry. He directed a film called A Ghost Story. It comes out July 14th. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, saw the movie last night. Uh, really loved it. My question to you is, to start off, where did the screenplay come from in the story for you? It all started with the image of a ghost in a bedsheet alone in a house. And that image has been hanging around my subconscious and consciousness for for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. It didn't, you know, it didn't have a movie to, you know, utilize it for a while. But it was something I wanted to wanted to make use of, and I had a lo- couple different ideas about how to make, you know, how to like. At one point, I thought about maybe making a traditional haunted house horror film mm-hmm. and everything about it would be traditionally scary except for the fact that the ghost would be a bed sheet right and and that <laughs> idea made me laugh a lot but ultimately never i never sat down to write it and at some point uh last year i just sat down and wrote this movie and that image was there and a couple of things in my own life were sort of on my mind but i didn't have a story i needed to tell i didn't have a a uh, you know an end in mind i just sat down and started writing and wrote this movie almost in one sitting. Wow. And so it's looking back on it now, it's hard for me to, you know, trace back the sources of inspiration, even though I know that they're there. Like I can say like, you know, 
it's related to a various existential crises that I was having about, you know, my place in the universe or that the fact that my wife and I had just moved to LA from Texas was on my mind. All of those things are in the movie, but I didn't sit down with the intent to utilize them all. All I knew was that there was going to be this ghost and he was going to be in a house by himself and it would probably, you know, he'd probably be there for a long time. And that was, that was the, all I needed to get going. And then where did the, the death, and loss and memories come into that screenplay if it was just if it just started with a ghost in a house I think they just come naturally to it you know death is something that we all think about whether we've lost someone or not it's definitely a prevalent part of our lives and you know I think we all will lose people eventually and mm-hmm. that that was something I was thinking about you know I was thinking about my parents getting older and and all of the I was thinking about all the funerals I was going to have to go to in the future mm-hmm. and just all the people I would lose and 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 the sadness I was feeling about that was more an extension of my own ego than an actual sorrow for them as mm. people. And thinking about that made me think about, well, what is, you know, what would the perspective be from the flip side? Like the people who are actually are, like when I die, what's my perspective? I'm not, rather than thinking about my wife grieving for me, like what am I going through in those moments? Because so often we define our own loss by what's left behind rather mm-hmm. than where we're going and what that journey might be. Um, at least I do. So, so that was all part of it. And, and it just, you know, I'd read, I was reading books about grieving, the grieving process and, and how they, how grief manifests itself in, in one's life when one goes through, you know, a tragedy and it's a big part of storytelling. It's a big part of literature and cinema. And, and it just felt like a natural fit when you're doing, making a film that deals with a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the score and the music in the film? Oh, a absolutely. Bit? How did, how, who did you pick? How did you find this music? Because it fits perfectly with the story. The composer of the score is a gentleman named Daniel Hart, and he's done the score for everything I've ever made from, okay. from my early short films to my Disney movie, Pete's Dragon. He's always been there by my side writing the music, and he understands the movies I make on a very thorough level. And he, I always look at it as, as the, the filmmaking process is two-thirds my responsibility, <laughs> and then he takes over and brings <laughs> that last third to fruition because his music is truly phenomenal. He's a wonderful, wonderful artist, and I feel it's like a great gift to me as a filmmaker to get to have movies that feature his scores. Mm-hmm. So when we were working on Pete's Dragon, that Disney movie, um, he, I was starting to work on this project, and he played for me one day in his mixing room the the song that he'd been working on because he also has a great uh, pop band called Dark Rooms. Okay. And so he had been working on a new album for his band and had written this song called I Get Overwhelmed and he played it for me and I got completely overwhelmed, <laughs> which is probably the intention. I mm-hmm. just couldn't stop listening to this song. Mm-hmm. It was so moving to me and so beautiful. And over the course of several days of just listening to it over and over and over again, I found myself just writing into the script. Hmm. I then asked permission if I could use it. And thankfully he said <laughs> yes, because by then my heart was already set on it being a very important part of the film. But it just sounded the way I wanted the movie to feel. Mm-hmm. It sounded, it had that, that, that sweet and, and, and sincere and very rich sense of desperation to it. There's mm-hmm. a loneliness to the song that is very and it's moving. haunting. It's very haunting, yeah. <laughs> No pun intended. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's a pun that you can't escape with this movie. Right. Um, so he, he said, yes, we can use it. He was very excited for, for me to use it. And, and that kind of became the bedrock for the rest of the score. That's that, you know, that, that song was there on set when Rooney's listening to it. It was in the headphones. So we always knew that would be part of it. 
and then I cut the movie together and that scene wound up sort of in the middle and I showed it to Daniel and he felt that it would be nice to just have elements of that song, you know, all through the movie, whether it was at the very beginning, building up to when you finally hear it and then all the way through the rest of the film as well. So every piece of score uses some element from that song as its, you know, as its root. And he, he would often take like the string sections or the vocal sections mm-hmm. and just slow them down mm-hmm. and use those as the platform on which he built the rest of the, the music. And we're at a point in our relationship as collaborators where we don't have to talk that much, which is a wonderful thing. That's a great you know, place to be when, when you find people like that, you mm-hmm. kind of hang on tight to them. And so he wrote you know, one piece of music that was a little too scary and I told him to make it a little <laughs> less scary. Uh-huh. But beyond that, everything in the movie is just you know, his first drafts for all intents and purposes. And I, every now and then would give an, you know, an indication as to what I thought might work in a given scene. There was a scene where I was like, you know, maybe make this feel like a John Carpenter's 80s synth score. <laughs> or there was a scene where I told him to use choral elements that were similar to, an, you know, some Arvo part music that I liked. And I would just throw out these random ideas and he could take them or leave them. And he always does take them or leave them because a lot of times my ideas as I'm not a musician, I'm a frustrated musician. So my ideas don't quite <laughs> translate the way I want them to, but he understands what I'm after. He always understands what I'm trying to reach for when I describe these, these points of reference and he's able to provide the movie exactly with what it needs, which is for a movie like this, with it's so silent, mm-hmm. it is really the, the, the roadmap for the movie. It, it tells you, where you're going and it guides you through the experience in a very emotional way. Yeah, I, I was feeling it definitely through the f- through the film. Um, last night I sat through and I saw some of your Q and A, and I um, wanted to touch on how or what the aspect was you filmed uh, the movie in. Yeah, we we shot the movie in the Academy aspect ratio, which is one three three to one, mm-hmm. and most movies you see are one eight five to one or two three five to one. But we, I really wanted to make this movie a square. I wanted it to be a, a square that you could just look at on the screen and almost feel like you could hold it in your hands. Because it looks like a photograph. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a photograph. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something, there's something beautiful and tactile about that to me. But it's also a very claustrophobic frame. And I felt that that was appropriate for a movie in which the main character is stuck in a box for eternity for all intents and purposes. Right. And I felt that that could amplify the circumstances that he finds himself in. It was also a wonderful challenge to me because I just think widescreen. I think in rectangles as a director mm-hmm. and to try to figure out how to put these images into a box was a big challenge and, and we didn't always get it right. So we had to, we had to reshoot some stuff, but uh, it was definitely, it felt right for this movie. It felt like it would add something to the, to the experience of seeing it and it would let audiences know right out the gate, you know, right from the get-go that this is going to be a slightly left of center experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was set up so beautifully in the cinematography of just the house and sitting there and looking at it. I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, okay, let's get a little silly here. I really loved that you had no subtitles for the Hispanic family. Loved oh, good. That. Um, and I would love for you to maybe chat about that a little bit, but you did have subtitles for the ghosts. Yeah. So... What was that conversation like? <laughs> that, well, when we shot that, initially it was just going to be the wave. In the script, they just waved each other, and it was meant to be a moment of comic relief. But the footage just was inherently sad. There was like a sadness to it. So you laugh, right. but it also just had this deep sadness to it. And also, it was the first time in the movie where he's able to connect to someone, like actually like communicate with someone. And it was so satisfying to see that. And yet, the images were, were so haunting and sad that I just wanted there to be more than just the wave. So I wanted them to communicate and it felt 
like at first I didn't know if I'd get away with it. I was like, this is too much of a joke <laughs> just to put subtitles in, but it just right. felt like that would work. And, and it did. And it worked so well that we wound up shooting a little bit more, like a few more scenes with that ghost because it, it just became a, a, a through line that I wanted more of. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted there to be more. And, uh, I also, as a as trivia, that's me as the ghost next oh, door. I was going to ask. I was, like, I was, we uh, called her the grandma ghost because it was a floral paint <laughs> sheet, and that was that was my cameo. But um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where it just felt very playful, and yet ultimately winds up being very very sad. Like to have subtitles right. pop on makes you laugh. Like hopefully everyone laughs mm-hmm. at the wave, and then they laugh at that subtitle, and 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 then it gets sad very fast because it's just it's an inherently sad idea that is being expressed in that, in that communication. Right. But then the choice of not using subtitles for the Hispanic family. I've often gone to, was it thought about it and we're not doing it or once I decided to have them speak Spanish because in the script initially it was just a family moves in. It was sort of like, let's remake Poltergeist in the the, halfway Mm -hmm. through the movie. And, and then, you know, I live in Texas and and there's a a tremendous influence of Hispanic culture all around me. And Mm -hmm. I love that culture and I wanted it to be in the movie. I love the Spanish language as well. And, and once I decided to have them speaking Spanish, I thought it would just be really lovely to not have subtitles because it makes it n- less about what they're saying and more about just them being in their own world and their environment. And there's a great beauty to the language itself. So mm-hmm. I love listening to it. I can't, I can read Spanish fairly well, but I can't speak it fluently at all. And so directing those sequences was really interesting because even though I'd written all the dialogue and I had it translated to, to Spanish, um, Sonia, our actress, was speaking it fluently and I couldn't keep up. So I had to engage with her on a very emotional level rather than just saying like, hey, say this line differently because I couldn't actually reference those lines that well. And I loved that experience. It was a really profound experience and it really you know, was a, a wonderful challenge, but also just reminded me how much I love listening to the language. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful language. And I wanted that to kind of just flow into the movie a little bit. I wasn't sure if it was maybe a political, a little bit of a political stab. I, I hope that if it is, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, because I, I uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of political subtext that could be read into that, especially in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't know, I, I, uh, I, I stand very firmly with that family. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. I do too. That's why I appreciate that. Great. Uh, well, David, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is David Lowry, A Ghost Story. It comes out July 14th. Thanks thank for you being so on much. Bitch Talk. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, that was David Lowry, director of A Ghost Story, y'all. Uh, that film opens Friday, July 14th in theaters near you. Hope you enjoyed it. Guess where we're going to be this weekend? Uh, we've been only talking about it for at least the last four years of this podcast. We're going to be in motherfucking Reno. So if you're in Reno and you're a fan, hit us up uh, again on Instagram or uh, you can shoot us an email at therealbtpod at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook at Bitch Talk. You can reach us everywhere. Or uh, you could just find the drunk bitches at the Grand Sierra. I mean, I'm sure we'll start uh, posting photos as soon as we get there. So if you just follow that trail, it's really not going to be hard. That awful trail of bread, bread crumbs. <laughs> Is that what it's going to be? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I'm just, I'm really excited. And thank you to producer Shard uh, eh. to help us make this come to fruition. This uh, dream. At this point, it's like, I'm so scared. It's like, we're, we're looking forward to it so much that... It's like I might run out of money in like the first five minutes and then I'll just hole up in my room for the rest of the time. <laughs> we'll be at the pool on Saturday, so don't you worry. Have I told you about the pool? I know. 
sure. Ange has already done her homework. She's okay. like, there's a swim-up bar, apparently. It's brand new. They just opened it. it and it, there's a beach? Yeah, they, li- they literally put the water in it about a week and a half ago. That's why when we called, by the way, to reserve a cabana, they're not up yet. Yeah. So, you know, we were trying to be fancy. Oh, my God. I, what are you guys doing? What do you mean? <laughs> I... We've saved money in some places, so now we can put money towards a cabana. <laughs> well, no, I'm just thinking, it's like when I go to Reno, I don't think about, like, I don't do research to go to Reno. <laughs> I just oh. go to Reno. Well, Ange is the one who was doing the research. She's like, did you know it's there that, that they have, what did she say? Well, they have a 55-lane um, bowling alley, which I knew they had They've that always bowling had that, alley. Right? But there was some other stuff. She's like, there's 11 restaurants. There's a pool with a swim-up bar. And I'm like, what? That's when my my antenna. Were I, like, oh. I was gonna send you guys a text quickly because because uh, yeah because my guy my guy Troy which was, we're not meeting. He told me that um, when we locked up the the weekend, he's just like, hopefully the pool will be ready for you because they just put the water in. Dude, it and we just, are ready for the pool, and so they're uh, hopefully it'll it, it's supposed to open this weekend. That was two weeks ago, so okay. Well, we'll be there as soon as they open to uh, claim our spot. And uh, we're just really excited. So, you guys, Reno's happening. I've already contacted our girl. Up oh, Calneva. We were talking about it at the law, uh, at the social study the other day when I was like, "What's the name of that?" Oh, Calneva. I love Calneva. Calneva is the dirty bar that I was, or the dirty casino that I was talking to you about the at Are the they end closed, of. The, though? No, those that's open. The Nuggets, the one that I think is closed. It's fine. We'll find a dirty casino. There's bar. a lot of dirty casinos in it's downtown Reno. Reno. And that's why I love it. And that's why it's uh, a place that Bitch Talk approves of. So, um, yeah, we're going to be in Reno. We're going to meet up with our fan, Aaron Christine. I've already got her digits. We're in. Uh, and it's going to be cray. And it's going to be fun. And I can't wait for you guys to celebrate with us our 200th episode, which is crazy. Um, but don't forget to see a ghost story opens again Friday, July 14th in a theater near you. And we'll see you on the other side of Reno. I don't know what that's going to look like, uh, but hopefully we make it, guys. Bitch, please. Too much. All the awful dreams felt real.